welcome to another episode of Energy Matters, a podcast that discusses the energy industry's most pressing and most promising issues and why they matter to the world around us. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at battery storage, or energy storage as it's otherwise known, to understand the essential, if slightly underappreciated, role that this technology is playing in efforts to decarbonize energy systems globally. Yes, while battery storage may be the somewhat lesser known and lesser understood sibling of renewable energy, its contribution to weaning the world off fossil fuels will be no less important. That's because, simply put, without an ability to store intermittent wind or solar power for when we actually need it, then the clean green energy that's generated, well, will just go to waste. That is in fact a reality for much of the world's renewable energy generation at the moment, but the rapidly developing battery storage market is set to change all of that. In the UK, now a world leader in battery storage growth, there is today a 20 gigawatt pipeline of utility scale or grid scale projects planned across more than 800 sites. With my interviewee, John Flaherty, who is Managing Director of Grid Scale Energy Storage at SMS, we'll be chatting about all of this the other vital functions of the technology, like ensuring grid flexibility and what this means exactly, and why these projects, as well as being environmentally attractive, also make for a pretty appetising commercial investment proposition. We'll also chat about SMS's new venture into the storage market and its rather large ambitions for this field. But before all that, a little bit about my interviewee, John. John is a highly experienced energy and finance professional, having been head of commercial at UK energy suppliers such as Ovo and Ecotricity, and also having been a financial manager in the banking sector with the likes of Lloyds and Santander. Now though, having been at SMS for four years as a director of business development, John today oversees the company's day-to-day operations in grid-scale storage as a managing director. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation. joining me today. Thank you for having me, Alan. No problem. So we are here today to talk all things battery storage or energy storage, as it is otherwise known. Um, It is a technology that is today increasingly recognized as an essential enabler to the low carbon transition and, and net zero emissions targets globally, none the least in the UK. And that's largely down to the role it plays in facilitating renewable energy. So to start off with then, uh, in very simple terms, if you're, if you're able to, can you tell me a little bit about what battery storage is, why we need it, and, and importantly, the difference between the two key areas that, that we can broadly define as behind the meter uh, and grid scale technologies? So battery storage is, is very much what it sounds like. Uh, it is using chemicals to store energy. Uh, so it's a bi-directional energy source it can it can store when required and release or export if you like uh, when that is the desired outcome and that bi-directionality is really the key reason why battery storage is is going to be critical in an ever-expanding renewable low to zero carbon energy system uh, because it, it provides that level of flexibility that a changing intermittent uh, less boring thermal world will require. Um, so your point on the, the difference between behind the meter and grid scale. So just to give people a sense of what we mean in terms of scale. Uh, so grid scale, we are 
in the region of 50 megawatts, 100 megawatts, and that could be a one-to-one -one capacity ratio, i.e. 50 megawatt site with 50 megawatt hours, or it could be maybe up to twice, so 50 megawatts, 100 megawatt hours. Uh, and those can, you know, those can scale up and we will see bigger and bigger sites as years go on. Um, whereas behind the meter is something more in the region of uh, uh, circa four kilowatts in power and probably something in the region of six kilowatt hours. So for, for people who may not be attuned to, to megawatts and kilowatt hours, can we, can we give, a, um, I suppose, a, a comparison there in terms of what a behind the meter um, storage could store power for and what we're talking at the grid scale uh, level? So if, if, a, if a behind the meter and by that, one of those could be a, a battery in a home, potentially coupled with solar. So if that's got, let's say, six or seven kilowatt hours of storage and the average UK home consumes circa 3000 kilowatt hours per annum, then that battery is capable of, of covering uh, a day's usage on most days in most UK homes, for example. Uh, and, and it is able to shift demand from high cost periods to low cost periods or ensure the usage of, of on-site generation. Yeah, so you know, as we decarbonize as as a as a country, and and stuff like solar panels become more affordable, more accessible to to everyday consumers, these behind the meter batteries or, or home batteries, they're going to be essential, aren't they, for for us to be able to to maximize the use of that solar energy if that's what the power source is on the house. They're an important part of the mix, and if you if if, if listeners read reports such as the Future Energy Scenarios by National Grid or those that come out of the Climate Change Committee, uh, they talk about the necessity of an entire range of solutions. So it's it's very much not that behind the meter solves a problem or grid scale storage solves a problem or new solar farms or new wind farms uh, solves an issue or even the new interconnector with Norway. It, all of them together uh, combine to, to solve what is an, an, an immense problem uh, where you're trying to both increase electricity consumption with heat and uh, transport and decarbonize at the same time and not have to make the entire population completely change their way of life, which is very, very difficult. Yeah. So it, it's really every single piece has, has a place and one doesn't trump another. Yeah. So then we talked a little bit behind the meter then, uh, grid scale, and, and, and that's what you're in charge uh, of managing uh, at SMS. How do we kind of, how does that ramp up then the, 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 the stakes when we're talking about renewable energy generation? Behind the meter, you're talking perhaps one solar panel on someone's rooftop. How does grid scale then cater for much larger renewable energy generation, the, the wind farms or the, the big solar parks that you're talking about? So... There is a natural gap between uh, renewable generation and demand. So we've we've lived in a world where we forecast demand, and there are there's a there's a bit of a an uptick in the morning when people are getting ready, and there's a fairly steady usage during the day, and then there's a there's a great big demand in the evening when everyone gets home and starts cooking, but industry is still working, and that's been the case forever. And and when you've got gas and coal and nuclear providing that, you can inform those large thermal plants that you want them to turn up at certain times well in advance, and that can be managed. 
when we turn to uh, very significant offshore, and, and I, I'm talking, you know, three to four times what we've already got, um, which is already quite significant, um, and you turn to solar. So solar is fairly predictable. We know roughly when the sun will shine, and we know between which hours uh, it does change, but it's sort of predictable. Wind is a bit more intermittent, and we saw that in September with very low, uh, unseasonably low wind. With all that intermittency, you, you lose an element of the match between generation and demand that we've, that we've gotten used to. And you need to bridge those gaps and you need to manage the difference between forecast demand and available generation so that the national grid can fulfill its charter to ensure that there is power. And, and part of their critical charter is to ensure that there is sufficient additional generation on top of what is, is supposed to be there in case something goes wrong, like a power station breaks. And batteries play a critical role in helping bridge those gaps in those really uh, testing periods. And those testing periods have historically been the peaks, but the testing periods will in fact become when the generation becomes out of sync with demand. And that will be during more periods during the day as, as we switch from thermal to dramatically more uh, renewable generation. So really by the sounds of it, alongside the, the further development of the UK's renewable energy generation capacity through new solar and wind projects, um, developing these grid scale storage sites uh, will be just as vital. All of these things together are going to be vital uh, if we're going to decarbonize our, our energy system. In fact, I know uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has just very recently stated his ambition to make Britain's electricity generation uh, fossil fuel free by 2035. So that's a good 15 years ahead of, of the overall net zero 2050 target the government is, is aiming for. But you know, as you touched on, supporting renewables isn't the only important function uh, uh, that batteries serve. So can you, again, touch on this concept of grid flexibility and, and, and how battery storage will address this increasingly important requirement as we decarbonize and, and how the national grid is catering for this need through, through the mechanisms available to battery storage developers? Yeah, so currently there is about uh, 1.3 gigawatts of, of battery storage on the system. Uh, if you take an average of National Grid's future energy scenarios that they released this year, they were estimating 10 gigawatts required by 2030. Um, the Climate Change Committee have very recently said that they believe there's 18 gigawatts required by 2035 if, if we're going to meet the, the demand that, that, as you say, the Prime Minister stated. The reason for this, that scale of change um, is, is twofold. So I've, I've mentioned the, the intermittency and the, the gap between generation and demand uh, a moment ago, and that is, that is a key one. So you know, batteries can provide um, assistance to wholesale market, to the balancing mechanism, to, to make sure that supply and demand um, are, are in sync and that there is sufficient resilience in the system for any potential issues. So that, that is a key aspect and batteries such as ours participate in those markets, and those markets have been around since uh, deregulation. Another aspect of, of increased renewables is that they, they create uh, issues on the system uh, in, in terms of the harmonics. So unlike 
and I'll, I'll say this in layman's terms because in many ways I am, a, a coal-fired or a gas-fired power station is, is a great big spinning turbines. And spinning turbines produce a, an inertia in the, in the harmonics of the electricity system. And that inertia helps keep everything stable and, and the electricity stays at the right level of hertz and everything works. Renewables are, are very much out of sync with each other. And that it's like ripples on a pond. If you throw one pebble, you have, uh, you know, a, a nice expanding ripple. If you keep throwing stones in, the ripples become indecipherable. And that's exactly what happens with the electricity. Uh, you want decipherable ripples, not a mess. So with all the wind and solar creating that distortion, it's things like batteries that can help uh, recreate order in the chaos. And that has been a long-standing revenue stream for batteries in, in frequency services. But I think the, the, one of the key things about batteries is that they're incredibly adaptable. So as, as new issues arise in the network, it's batteries which, which can do things incredibly quickly at sub-second uh, speeds that can respond to the new issues and can be called upon by National Grid to deal with those problems as they come up. You know, they're capable of providing reactive power, which is something else that starts to reduce as we lose thermal generation. They can provide reserve services for a lower cost than having to pay our nuclear fleet to turn down, uh, you know, last, last uh, in March 2020 when demand dropped. They're incredibly flexible and, and have shown over the past few years that ability to adapt to an ever-changing system and, and ever-changing needs. Yes, yeah, so, and you talk about the ever-changing system. One, one trend that we're, we're certainly going to see over the next decade and longer is electri electrification of, of transport with, with EVs and uh, electrification of heat through household heat pumps and the like. Batteries are going to play a very, very significant role there as well, aren't they? Not least the batteries in the in in the the EVs, but these grid scale batteries. Absolutely, and and to my previous point, uh, the mobile battery that will be um, this large number of cars on the road, ever increasing, um, is is an important part of balancing that system, and it is stated as as a key component, as well as grid scale. Um, so these. These, are, these items aren't competing with each other for, um, if you like, a limited amount of flexibility requirement. We actually, we need the deployment of EVs in conjunction with the deployment of grid scale storage to, to meet the climate goals that we've got. Absolutely. Yeah. So National Grid have, have been working hard to facilitate these these mechanisms, as, as we've mentioned, uh, for stuff like uh, frequency response and, and, and ancillary and balancing services. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, then. It's, it's these services that, that make up the long-term revenue streams for, for grid-scale energy storage projects of this kind. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at here is alongside the obvious environmental incentives for uh, investing in grid-scale battery storage, as, as we've discussed, um, what really is that, that commercial incentive then for green energy infrastructure developers, just like SMS or indeed other sustainably focused investors? So the incentives for investors are, are significant. Um, so 
with a, a fairly consistent reduction in cost of equipment. So, you know, cells are reducing in price over time as a trend um, with uh, the increase in the demand and the expectation from the network for flexibility. If you can put your assets into all available revenue streams, and that is very much the way that SMS have set ourselves up, um, and that is to be in all of the traded markets, so the balancing mechanism wholesale, to be in all the ancillary revenue markets uh, that exist and that will exist. So we're talking FFR, we're talking dynamic containment, the ones that are about to come on. The actual, the returns on investment are significant. And with long-standing markets to access, being wholesale and balancing mechanism, there is there is a long-term view as to where um, revenues and certainty of returns can be derived with opportunities um, coming from those other ancillary services that, that do change over time. They're not necessarily uh, going to be exactly the same in 10, 15 years' time, but as new issues arise, uh, they adapt, they change, and batteries are perfectly placed to, to take advantage of that. So there's a brilliant, a brilliant underlying baseline um, set of revenues to access with plenty of opportunity for upside. Yeah, so on top of that, I mean, we've talked about the environmental incentive in a very kind of ESG-focused world now where where um, investors and organization need to be focus, focusing on sustainability. Batteries uh, really offer this you know, great underlying commercial incentive, but they're a green product as well, aren't they? A green investment product, which, which is increasingly important, right? Absolutely. I mean, the... Um... The power that they are um, taking into store is generally uh, renewable. Um, it, it would otherwise go to waste on the system. And when it's exporting, it's, it's at zero carbon. And without the batteries and the, the other storage methods, much of that renewable infrastructure that, that does the real heavy lifting of the decarbonisation just simply couldn't be installed. So it's absolutely critical in the... Um, in the development of a green economy. Considering all this, you know, we talked about the, the commercial and environmental incentives. I suppose this would explain um, SMS's strategic decision to d- diversify its business proposition uh, and build that, that in-house capability to develop these grid-scale energy storage projects across the UK. So I know uh, the first of these two projects were announced earlier this year with a 50 megawatt site in Burwell in, in Cambridgeshire and a 40 megawatt site in Barnsley in South Yorkshire. So I guess before we talk about these projects a little bit more specifically, for those listeners who, who may only know SMS from its work in the UK smart metering industry, um, you talk a little bit how SMS has successfully been able to pivot to, to this field. Yeah, so SMS has, has had a... Uh, almost hidden capabilities for a, for a very long time. So ever since the inception of the the core businesses, circa 25 years ago, there have there have been those quiet parts that, that don't get talked about, um, that have been leveraging some very significant expertise in parts of UK's uh, key historical engineering moments uh, without really getting any fanfare. So um, we've got a utility connections business 
which was, for example, responsible for designing the electricity network on the London 2012 Olympic Park. We've been um, a key part of HS2's um, electrical design. The rollout of 4G and 5G is predominantly assisted by SMS teams, as well as you know, lots of housing projects, etc. And all of that unsung expertise is the launch pad for moving into areas like grid scale storage. There are a number of other very interesting and exciting areas that we're going into that I will not uh, attempt to cover in our short time together because fundamentally grid scale storage is <laughs> where my passion is. Um, but it, it, it's a business that's done lots of things that people don't necessarily know. You know, we, we led the introduction of competition in connections uh, where previously independent companies couldn't design and deliver new infrastructure uh, that then gets adopted by regulated networks. Uh, but we were at the forefront of that. Um, you know, we, we procure energy on behalf of some of the largest energy consumers in the UK, which is often not spoken about. Um, we acquired Solo Energy back in uh, 2019, giving us access to their FlexiGrid platform, which allows us to aggregate, manage, dispatch thousands of assets as if they were a power station. Um, and when you put all of those things together, you can see that that ability to design, deliver, operate and optimize, which is the entire value chain of grid scale storage, is absolutely there within the business already. So it's completely natural for us to make that move. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. And as you say, a lot of those services um, are fairly unknown to people who might follow SMS uh, um, in the smart metering space. So, you know, that is fascinating. And as you say, th- those expertise uh, are very much there. So not much as a transition that, that, that some people m- might have thought. So with all that in mind, let's get to these, you know, new exciting projects that SMS have launched this year then, their the, the first grid scale uh, energy storage projects that, that, that you oversee. And there's the one in Burwell and Barnsley uh, so can you update us on, on where we are with these projects, uh, if you don't mind? And, and then, uh, I suppose, touch on the future, um, SMS's ambitions for this space, uh, for the delivery of, of a future pipeline of projects. Yeah, sure. Um, so Burwell, uh, people may have seen in, I know that you're very busy uh, updating people on the status of sites as well. Alan. I'm sure people have seen videos and pictures of our Burwell site where um, all of the equipment is now in situ and the process of commissioning and energization is is underway and Barnsley is uh, close behind. In terms of our pipeline, we've, we've announced a 470 megawatt pipeline uh, publicly and SMS is, is absolutely committed to being a leader in this space. So National Grid that I mentioned earlier had quoted 10 gigawatts by 2030. The CCC have given a more recent view of 18 gigawatts by 2035. And there is no doubt that we will be a named party on any kind of distribution of who owns assets uh, within those figures. And to support that, we very recently completed an equity raise of 175 million and um, a 
a reorganization of our debt facility to enable us to do the deployment of that 470 and then be able to move on beyond that. Fantastic. That is really uh, exciting. And it's going to be fascinating to, to watch how, how all this unfolds over the next few years. As we've discussed, battery storage or energy storage is pivotal to, to that mix of technologies that we're going to need to decarbonize over the next two decades or more. So uh, so th- thank you very much for uh, joining me today, John, and, and for giving us your, your insight. Thank you, Alan. It's been a pleasure. My thanks again there to John for being such a good sport and filling us in on all things grid scale energy storage. If you'd like to stay up to date with SMS's storage projects, the best thing to do is to follow SMS PLC on LinkedIn, where you'll find all the latest news, updates and announcements. You can also find out more by visiting the website at sms-plc.com forward slash energy storage. Before we go, it's worth mentioning here that as well as grid scale technology, SMS is also now involved in the rollout of behind the meter battery technology, which we discussed earlier on in the episode. For more information on this, you can go back to our very first episode of the Energy Matters podcast, where the company's new solo power solution is discussed in detail and how the intelligent operation of distributed home energy storage assets, along with an innovative financing model, could not only help reduce household carbon emissions, but also address the issue of fuel poverty. You can also find out more about this at sms-plc.com forward slash solo power. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Just search for Energy Matters in your favorite podcast app, and that's where you'll find us. Until the next time, stay safe and stay well. Stay well.